Welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams. Red Pill Revolution started out with me realizing everything that I knew, everything that I believed, everything I interpret about my life is through the lens of the information I was spoon-fed as a child. Religion, politics, history, conspiracies, Hollywood, medicine, money, food, all of it. Everything we know was tactfully written to influence your decisions and your view on reality by those in power. Now, I'm on a mission. A mission to retrain and re-educate myself to find the true reality of what is behind that curtain and I'm taking your ass with me. Welcome to the revolution. Hello and welcome to episode number 19 of Red Pill Revolution. Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. I am very excited to talk to you guys again today. There has been some very interesting developments in the war in Ukraine. There has been some very interesting things that came about from the State of the Union address by Joe Biden. And... There has also just been some culturally interesting social topics that have come up as well. So we're going to touch on some of those events, some of those things that are uh, timely to the now for a moment in this podcast. But we're also going to get into into some some more uh, perspective type conversations uh, surrounding maybe how uh, how you should live your life and, and some things like that too. So um, stick around for that towards the end. First, we're going to touch on some of those events that I was just talking about and some things that piqued my interest this week. But I am very interested to talk to, to you guys about these topics. So we will jump into that. But before we do that, you know what I'm going to say. The first thing I need you to do is go ahead and press that subscribe button for me. It takes two seconds, means the world to me. You have no idea how good it feels to see, um, you know, how, how many people joined and listened to the conversation that we had last week. And I say we because I am. I, I feel like, you know, the way that I get to say my piece is through this conversation. And the way that I get to hear your pieces back is through the conversations that we have through different social media channels and uh, messages, emails that I'm getting now, too. So if you have something specific, you know, and you kind of want to bypass the social channel, whether it's a business inquiry or something that you want to discuss one on one, maybe maybe a sponsorship opportunity or something like that, you can always email me. And if it's a really pressing conversation and you're not a business inquiry, you can email me too, redpillrevolt at protonmail.com. So the next thing we're going to talk about is going to be the Substack. So after you've pressed that subscribe button, which takes only two seconds, it means the world to me, as you already know. After you press that, the next thing you can press is the five-star review button, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, whether you're on Spotify, if you are enjoying these conversations, or maybe you're joining me for the first time and you just feel it in your soul that this is a five-star podcast. I know you do. I know you do. You already feel it in your soul. You can press that right now. And then the next thing you can do is go on over to the redpillrevolution.substack.com newsletter, which is basically all of the week's Podcasts, so you get every week, you get a, a nice little newsletter for free sent directly to your inbox. And it includes all of the links, all of the articles, all the videos that we discuss on this week's podcast, along with some extra little goodies sometimes too. And uh, I'm, I'm getting better with that, hopefully, moving forward. And uh, I'm excited to share that with you guys as well. So redpillrevolution.substack.com. And then 
The other thing we do have is on the Linktree. So linktree.com slash redpillrevolt. And you can actually see all of our social channels. You can find all the podcasts basically everywhere. You can subscribe on YouTube so you can actually see the whole video of this. I know a lot of people watch or listen to it, but if you have the time and you're sitting, you know, like I like to watch podcasts when I'm, I don't know, cleaning up the house and, and doing frivolous tasks. So maybe you want to watch it, go over to, to YouTube and go ahead and subscribe. And that's the Red Pill Revolution YouTube page. And you can do that all at the link tree. And on the link tree, there's also a few things such as the Amazon wishlist, which includes a microphone and some things that I could need to help improve the show, which I would appreciate. And also a donation link, either givesendgo.com slash revolution or directly on the link tree. You can just says support this creator. Now I do spend endless amounts of time on this, so I would appreciate anything that you could do for that if you appreciate the podcast back. So thank you so much for your consideration. And that's all I got. Let's go ahead and jump into it. First thing we're going to talk about here is this uh, Pazaski. Now, now, I do find it interesting. Now, just a, a high-level conversation for this. Pazaski comes in and talks about um, the oil situation in, in Russia. And it's so funny how, how presidents always resort, you know, over the last several presidents, I recall, anyways. It's always a, a female um, individual who is always the, the, the talking person for the, the, the president. It's like there, there needs to be that feminine touch because all of these presidents are, are old men who are so out of touch in the way that they actually articulate their conversations. Um, but now that's not to say that Pazaski is any good at this at all because she's horrible. But <laughs> it is to say, you know, maybe, uh, you know, that, that feminine touch is something that, that obviously helps them um, relay their message a little bit more clear, or at least so people will listen to it. Hmm? So let's go ahead and see if you're even willing to listen to this woman who wants to tell us some crazy lies about the gas prices and oil prices in Ukraine. So let's go ahead and see what the White House press secretary had to say about the situation. The reason why the price of gas is going up is not because of steps the president has taken. They are because President Putin is invading Ukraine, and that is creating a great deal of instability. The reason why the price of gas is going up is not... <laughs> Sorry. I almost wanted to make you listen to it twice because it was so ridiculous. The fact that she wants to, she wants to pin the fact that gas has risen in price in the last year. The last year... We're only a year into this presidency. That gas has risen 61% over that time. 61%. At least if the number is correct of which I saw today. Which it might not be. I didn't really do a whole bunch of research into it to see that that was correct. But it says 61%. And it seems like a fairly uh, fairly um, credible source of information that I was pulling that from. Not some crazy memer on Instagram. So, uh, 61%. That gas has risen since the Joe Biden presidency. If you go to any of these gas stations, you're going to see a bunch of stickers that tell you the story and all you need to know. And they go like this. I did that. And, and there's been some news articles that have been floating around trying to get people to stop doing this because it's becoming such an issue. Because gas prices are so high, I filled up my, or I guess I didn't even fill up my tank today. Put $30 in my tank and got less than a quarter tank today. Imagine being a imagine being a high schooler. You know, you just get your car. You work you work a job just so that you can have gas money and hang out with your friends. And all of a sudden you go to the pump and you make $10 an hour waiting tables or busing tables whatever you do. And now you have you you, you spent $7 or 7 hours over the weekend working your ass off between school, you know, 
after after school's over, during the weekend, you work, you give up your time with your friends, and you make $70 after working seven hours, which is a full day, for $10 an hour. And now you have to put $40 into your tank just to have gotten to work in the first place. It's like uh, unbelievable how how far that we've come to, to how expensive gas has gotten in such a, a short period of time. And that's not to say it's not going to get a whole lot worse. And I'm not in a section of the country where it's even really as crazy as it, as it could be or, or, or is going to be. Um, so I, I really do feel for all of you that are in California and, and, and around the country in places that are, are highly much more affected than I am here. So I'm grateful for that. But to me, it's crazy. It's, it's unbelievable that she wants to sit here and lie to our faces and tell us it has nothing to do with, with Biden. It has nothing to do with, with the fact that, you know, he, he's basically cutting off our own oil reserves, that we're not producing oil. Just like Elon Musk said, even against, the, against his own business, he tweeted out this last week that we need to increase our oil production in the United States. We need to improve upon our production of oil, which is the only thing that he could have said that was counterintuitive to his business, was that we need to increase oil prices. He's literally in the business of electric cars, and this man is telling us we need to increase oil prices. Maybe we should listen to him. He seems to be the smartest of, of them, and the only one without a vested interest in doing something shitty against us at this point, from my understanding, is Elon Musk. Shout out to Elon Musk. <laughs> But, but Elon, Elon basically said, Hey, you guys should hurt my business and help this country because I think that's the right solution because of how bad the situation's gotten with gas prices. And, and that's not to say that we shouldn't be, we should be cutting off Russia because we haven't even cut off Russian oil supplies. We're spending 500,000 gallons or drums, drums, oil barrels, sorry, barrels is how they, they, the metric for oil, for gas. Um, so barrels, 500, a, a half a million barrels of gas that we're purchasing from Russia every single day. And then they want to talk about, you know, all these companies that are, are, are making a stand like Nike and Disney who are pulling their products from, from Russia. <laughs> like how much business did you actually do there in the first place? But, you know, making this, this stand for, for their virtue signaling. And, and Elon Musk is doing the exact opposite. Is literally saying, make me lose money and help these people out because they need it. Right? I cannot imagine how, how squirrely it's going to get when gas is $5 a gallon and, and how bad it would probably be initially if they did cut off that Russian oil supply. But again, it comes down to the fact that we have oil reserves. There's literally a swipe of a pen and our gas prices would go down to a manageable amount, the, the, under the 60, I literally remember paying less than a dollar under Trump, less than a dollar a gallon under Trump. And now here we are, $3. And that, that was because I was at Kroger and they have the little thing and I just got like, you know, 40, 30 cents off. But that would never happen today. It would never happen today. It's crazy. So, and, and then she wants to rub your face in it and tell you that it's not our fault. It's this bad, bad man's fault that you have to pay the money, even though those stickers that I did that stickers existed far before Ukraine. Somebody needs to slap one of those I did that stickers on her forehead <laughs> and, and drive that point home that it has absolutely nothing to do with Russia or this war. It hasn't been two weeks 
They think you're so stupid that you can't read a fucking calendar and realize that, you know, the two weeks that, that this, this war has really been going on, that your gas prices have been rising. And we all know that wasn't the case, right? Those stickers have been around almost since three months in because that's immediately when gas prices started rising. A swipe of a pen. That's all he has to do. So, I thought that was interesting, and it, it just tells you how much of a liar she is. You know, she's literally just up there mimicking lies and, and, and talking in circles and not answering questions the entire time. So we'll move on, and, and move on again to another great point that Elon Musk said this week. Again, shout out Elon Musk, where basically this, the, the Wi-Fi in Ukraine went down. And, you know, infrastructure probably attacks from Russia. Right. And so their Wi-Fi, their, their Internet went down. They had no access to Internet. And so there was this public outcry to Elon Musk. Save us, Elon Musk. Give us our Internets back. <laughs> Allow us to be on YouTube, at least if we're going to be hearing gunshots outside. And so Elon Musk, being the saint that he is, says, OK. I will send Starlink. It is on its way, basically. And said that he was he was doing it to help. And so he sent out Starlink. Like you saw these pictures of these trucks of the Starlink trucks that were sent out to have these. Um, I don't know what they were, but but basically receiving signals from uh, the Starlink system. Which, if you don't know what Starlink is, I'm pretty sure I don't I haven't researched it a lot, but I'm pretty sure from my understanding of what I've heard in the past, uh, it's like basically a satellite-based Wi-Fi, so that any time in the world he can turn on internet for us, even if there's an attack on our infrastructure, like there was in this Ukraine situation, which made sense. So they said that Elon Musk, help us, save us, please give us our internets back. And Elon Musk came in and, and turned the, turns the no Wi-Fi into wine. I mean, into, uh, into Wi-Fi. And, and now they were able to get internet again. And, and I'm sure there's a lot more reasons other than YouTube, right? There's some very serious, legitimate reasons like contacting your family and, I don't know, GP, like, I guess GPS doesn't run on Wi-Fi, but, but you see what I'm saying. There's probably very many legitimate logistical reasons for a country to need Wi-Fi. So very nice of Elon Musk to just give this Starlink program, basically, which has not been used in, in this way in the past, to Ukraine, which was really, really considerate of him. Now comes in the wokeness, where within a week of him setting out these Starlink satellite links and giving them what they wanted... The internets, they ask him, which I'll just quote Elon Musk here. He says, and this was on the 5th of March, today, Starlink has been told by some governments, in parentheses, not Ukraine, to block Russian news sources. We will not do this unless at gunpoint. Sorry to be a free speech absolutionist. Boom. Fucking drop the mic, Elon Musk. 100% agree, Elon. It is, it, is, it is unbelievable that somebody, and you know who is, it probably is our government, and all these, you know, the, these woke governments, the UK, the, the, you know, the, the EU system, the, the United States that are asking him to not, to, to block the information of Russian news sources because of propaganda. So, so in that light, shouldn't every single, and, and, and I also saw another information that CNN literally pulled out of Russia 
and has no news that it's publishing in Russia because a new law was passed based on it's a criminal charge to disseminate fake news intentionally. Interesting. Interesting. Right. So so not only do they want the, the ability to shove out as much propaganda as they want to you, the citizens, to eat up like cotton candy at the fair. But they also want to control that when other people have access to information. Right. They want to control Elon Musk and, and all of the Ukrainian citizens having access to. The Russian news sources. And he said, no. If, if, if speech wins, good speech wins, that's how you, that's, that's the true answer to all of this, right? There's, there's no reason that any words or anything or any idea should be banned, right? And that's how you know that this situation is not about words anymore. It's like, we used to think it was, I used to think it was crazy that the FTC would, would block you for, for saying a swear word, right? They would like, they would charge you money for saying a certain word with your mouth, sound with your mouth if you were disseminating your information across radio channels and those types of things. Movies, TVs, all of that. You couldn't do certain things. And so it was it was a, it was basically the whole the whole reasoning behind that. And the way that we see it now with Instagram is that Instagram does not charge you, does not does not ban you, does not shadow ban you for saying words. Because I bleep out the words that have something to do with COVID or vaccinations or Pfizer or any of these these specific hot button topics that are going to be red flags raised by these algorithms. And even if you bleep out the word, it's not about the word. It's not about the sound. It's about the concept. It's about the thought. And it's from their perspective about the, that, that thought spreading. And again, you've probably heard this before. The only way to combat bad thoughts is with good thoughts and debate, open, legitimate, honest debate. It's literally the only way to, to make good, good concepts win, right? If, if you only give your opinion and you don't allow anybody else to have an opinion about your opinion, then your opinion wins. And that's the point. All they want to do is because if you can control the flow of information, you control reality. Right. It's like the 1984 quote. He who controls the past controls the future and he who controls the present controls the past. So if you own the news sources and you own the ability to disseminate the information and decide which are which will prevail and which ideas will not prevail and will be stifled, 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 that's not even a word, stifled, geez, <laughs> stifled, then you control what is looked at as the past, because those news articles are not just written for today. They're written for six months from now and six years from now. So that when you go back and look at what happened on January 6th, every news article says it was an insurrection. And that was purposeful, not for the moment, because they know that you knew what happened. They still know that you, you know what happened. But they want to control the narrative so that when the history books look back at this situation in 10, 15, 150 years, it's looked at as the January 6th insurrection of the Trump campaign, right? Like, that's the whole point is controlling the narrative of today. So you control the narrative of, of, of how today is perceived tomorrow so that you can then control the, the way that it's looked at in the future and the way that we drive our, our reality moving forward. So good on Elon Musk for protecting that. That good speech should prevail. And even if there's a Russian news source who wants to say some bullshit that's not true, 
And just like I did that entire podcast showing you how so much propaganda is being circulated and was not true, was good information, right? If I can, if I can express my thoughts and tell you that these things are not true in a way that makes sense and then show you and point to the video games that they pulled the footage from, then maybe that's the concept that will win. Right. And that's, that's what makes the most sense to me. So good on Elon Musk. I like that term. Free speech absolutionist, absolutist, absolutionist, absolutist, (laughs) free speech absolutist is what he said. So shout out to Elon Musk. Great, great job standing up for freedom of speech. So the next thing we're going to see is a concept, basically a newer thing that we're seeing and talking about the corporate entities that are engaging in this war. So this is what it says. It says, breaking news, MasterCard and Visa have suspended all operations in Russia. So if you've heard about this, basically banks and, and, and uh, you know, um, what is it? The uh, Star, not the Starlink, we just talked about that, but the, there's a certain type of, um, fin- all the financial systems, all the financial systems have basically rid themselves of Russia if they're in some way related to these woke countries like the EU or, or the United States or the, you know, who, who are on the side of, of that, that we are looking at from, from the lens of our mainstream media. And so you see a big, huge financial companies and even seizing yachts from, from these billionaire Russian oligarchs. And so in this situation, what happened was these, the, the MasterCard and Visa have both suspended all operations in China. Basically, what they're trying to do is just plummet their economy to nothing so that Putin comes crawling to, to the United States and to Ukraine saying, we're done, we're done, it's over. The deep state wins, right? <laughs> and again, I, I don't think it's right in this situation to take a proper side. I don't think that there is a right side here. That's my perspective on this, truly. I think there's a whole shit ton of propaganda coming out. And I think everybody's going to tell you that they have the right answer, and especially if they have a vested interest like these governments. But I don't think there's a right side. Sit back and watch the show. You should not be taking a side in this war. It is not our war to fight. Unless, and it is, if you understand, you know, where, where that it's a war by proxy, like we talked about again last week. And if you haven't listened to last week's podcast, you need to, because it's truly eye-opening to what's going on here. When you read the entire speech of Putin, basically all but declaring war on the United States instead of Ukraine. But anyways, in this situation, MasterCard and Visa have took it upon themselves. And if you understand what the United States has done and what Putin has talked about all the time that's super effective in in fighting wars without sending troops is sanctions, right? Is financial sanctions, is taking away your money and making it difficult for you to operate your nation at the same level. And these companies, these corporations like Visa and MasterCard are now taking it upon themselves to engage in these warlike activities, to make decisions that will then prompt movement closer to war or further away from war, which is not their place at all. These corporations should not be engaging in these these sanctions, these financial, political conversations. Because the last fucking person on earth I want poking Putin with a stick is woke ass banking billionaire CEOs who have a vested interest again and probably sent a bunch of fucking money into the 
the the economy and the stock market or Burisma in the Hunter Biden's uh, you know um, index fund. <laughs> They invested all their money in the Hunter Biden index fund. And so now they have to protect their assets. So they put a bunch of money into Ukraine, probably, knowing that this they're going to win this war. And on the other side of them winning this war is going to be a thriving economy. And so they're tanking, you know, probably shorting the stock of Russia at this point and their financial institutions. And they can move that meter further. So if you think this is about wokeness, it's not. If you think this is about being on the right side of history, it is not. Just like everything else that's going on in this war, it's about money. So the, again, do we want these financial banking institution CEOs doing the same actions that our president is doing in hopes and in possibility of inciting a further war and escalating it further, Who, even if it does what they want it to do? What if it backs Putin far enough against the corner to where he starts swinging on you and not swinging on these financial institutions? Swinging on the United States. We don't want that. It is not your place to decide what happens in this war. Visa and MasterCard. And so I asked the audience. I went on Instagram. And I asked it today, so we'll see how many people have even responded to it yet. But I asked. Do we really want virtue signaling woke bank CEOs being the one who is pressuring the man, the man being Putin, who is threatening to use nuclear warfare in a reaction and escalation to the United States of America. Directly saying that. And then within days, these banks take it upon themselves to take military action, the same level of military action that Biden's taking in these financial sanctions. And so I asked that. And so far we have, of you know, several hundred people who have seen it, 135 people have voted for, this is not a good idea. And only eight people are for, I support this. Which I would be interested to hear the opinions of those who support that. That is interesting to me. I, I just don't see how you can justify that. Why are these banking institutions, and has this been a thing of the past? Has this happened before? Where these financial banking institutions decide to inv in incite further escalation at wartime. Literal wartime, where this man is threatening one of the world's most powerful nuclear powers in ever in history. And you're poking him with a stick while he has his back against the wall. Probably not the move. So here's the statement. Said MasterCard and Visa have suspended all operations in Russia. Visa and MasterCard ca uh, cards account for 74% of card payment transactions in Russia. Wow. Wow. In a statement, Visa said, effective immediately, Visa will work hard with clients and partners within Russia to cease all Visa transactions over the coming days. Once complete, all transactions initiated with Visa cards issued in Russia will no longer work outside of the country, and any Visa cards issued by financial institutions outside of Russia will no longer work within the Russia Federation. We are compelled to act following Russia's unprovoked invasion of Ukraine and the unacceptable events that we have witnessed, said Al, Al Kelly. Chairman and Chief CEO of Visa. We regret the impact this will have on our valued colleagues and on the clients, partners, merchants, and cardholders we serve in Russia. This war and the ongoing threat to peace and stability demand we respond in line with our values. So, 
74% of financial transactions in Russia. And, 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 and we, it's amazing to me how any time that, that during the State of the Union address, Biden addressed Ukraine, he talked about the Ukrainian people. He never talked about Zelensky. He talked about the Ukrainian people. And any time that he referenced Russia, he referenced Putin. He never talked about, he never once mentioned this once. He never, the words Russian citizens or Russia, Russian people never came out of his mouth because he has to dehumanize them and he has to put them in a box with the rest of, of, of this Putin hype, right? And so who is this really going to affect? It's going to crush the, the middle and lower class citizens in Russia. And again, I'm not taking a side on the war. I just say you shouldn't be taking a side on the war either. Visa or MasterCard, you should not be provoking and further inciting this war. You should not be, t be taking a political, especially if you're a worldwide entity. If you have so much money being passed around in your business for Russia specifically, you should not be doing this to these citizens. It makes no sense. And now you have to know too. If you are a part of a, and we're seeing this just more and more recently, I did an entire podcast on this, the cashless society, is it is not your money the second you hand it over to the banks. Even with that beautiful plastic card or even metal card these days, right? Even with that, it's still not your money. So do with that what you please, but it's probably finding a way to enter into this cryptocurrency society you know, I have like this dystopian view of the of the future, like almost like a uh, what's that show? Mad Max movie, Mad Max, <laughs> a type of of understanding. It's like if you understand that there's like the, there is these dystopian type futuristic movies where where there are the 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 back alley currencies that and then the government currencies and people tend to only use the you know and and that's Bitcoin and that's the you know the U.S. dollar at this point is is we we may get to a point in the future where the government does not accept any of these cryptocurrencies, but all of the transactions that are happening at an individual level are happening in that way to avoid having to deal with the government. I don't know. But when you have companies like Visa and MasterCard that are now taking it upon themselves to decide a position in war within and against countries that they do business in to the citizens who they've profited off of for how many decades? And now you're going to swipe that from underneath them and make it so that what? They, they don't even have access to, to, to spend their money? Crazy. Now, let's go ahead and, and, and bleach our ears a little bit because we're not, we're not going to be furthering the conversation about Ukraine at this point. I just thought those were some interesting points to update with you guys. But in an interesting topic that's come up recently, and if you're in the combat sports community, I train jiu-jitsu myself. I have for many years since I was in the military. Um, but Cain Velasquez. Cain Velasquez was charged with attempted murder. And he's a, a, a older, um, he, he was the heyday of the, the UFC. Um, basically a, a world champion, Cain Velasquez, very, very famous name within the UFC, has been charged with attempted murder, has also been charged with shooting at a motor vehicle, an assault with a firearm, assault with a deadly weapon, and willfully discharging a firearm to a vehicle, and carrying a loaded firearm with the intent to commit a felony. If found guilty of attempted murder, Velasquez faces a minimum of 20 years and up to life in prison. The police investigation revealed that Velasquez rammed his Ford F-250 into the side of the Silverado in front of, all of, in front of witnesses, 
He then followed the Silverado and fired two gunshots, one of them which struck one of the men in the arm. Five casings total were found at the scene. Velasquez was later identified by police as the shooter. Velasquez was arrested without incident in a 40 caliber semi-automatic semi-automatic handgun. Yeah, yeah, of course it's semi-automatic, you dummies. Was found in his vehicle. Two casings of ammunition were also found in the vehicle. Velasquez was arrested Monday after allegedly shooting a man while targeting another man accused of molesting his child possibly 100 times. The sad tragedy is that Mr. Velasquez chose to take the law into his own hands, endangering the public and everyone in the truck, Santa Clara County District Attorney said. This act of violence also causes more pain and suffering to his family. Now, if you go to Tom DeBloss, at Tom DeBloss on Facebook, he is selling t-shirts and all of the profits go to this legal fund. And that's actually at the MMA uncensored underscore um, Instagram's bio. So Cain Velasquez basically had a, a man which molested one of his family members over a hundred times. And he, like a boss, and like everyone thinks they would do in this situation, every father, at least, says that they would do this. I hope you would believe that you would do this in this situation, because I know sure as hell I would have found a way to, to react in some manner. Now, I don't know if it would have been doing all this in the middle of the day. Probably wasn't the move. But when you're in that heat of the moment, I can't imagine the rage that this man was feeling. And if you don't know about Cain Velasquez, this man's UFC name, his name in the UFC was Cain the Axe Murderer. Velasquez. <laughs> so maybe not the person whose family you want to fuck with. If they're UFC MMA pro career title was the axe murderer so basically he ran his truck into this person's car and then shot and fired his 40 at this car as well and then two of those shots one hitting the passenger not the original man that he was shooting at super sad super sad all around and it's true this is going to cause much much pain and suffering for the family and so Shout out, you know, shout out. I'm making a lot of shout outs today, apparently. Shout out to Cain Velasquez, because, you know, he, he's going to probably end up serving a lot of time for this, unfortunately. And, and in a perfect world, he would not be. And, and there's no talks of the man who actually molested his family member 100 times, getting any sort of trouble at all. So, really sad. Re really difficult to deal with. And, and from the perspective of somebody who is a father and, and, and can't imagine the rage that this man was feeling at this time. Um, I feel for him. And, and as I say this, he's sitting in a cold cell with just his thoughts and probably still fuming at the fact that he missed. Cause that would be the thought running through my head. So that is just an, a really uh, tragic, tragic topic that has come up recently in communities that I'm a part of. And Cain Velasquez, uh, I hope, finds some really good legal counsel to deal with this and ends up only spending a minimum amount of time. And hopefully the judge realizes that this man had, had, would only have found himself reacting this way if he found himself in this situation. Because being a very capable man of violence himself, he has never acted in this way that we know of. Sad. So, let's move on to what, the, what we're going to talk about for the rest of this podcast here, which is going to be 
So basically what we're going to do here is we're going to walk through a few little clips that piqued my interest this week. And this first one piqued my interest the most. If, if you don't know who Jordan Peterson is, Jordan Peterson was a Harvard professor who taught personality at Harvard. And prior to that, I believe he, uh, he was a professor at the University of Toronto. And he speaks on religion. He's a philosopher. Um, he's a, a very intelligent man. Um, he's, a, he's a behavioral psychologist and uh, is, is a great, great resource to listen to. And if you see that book right there and right there, um, those are great books that you can read that he wrote himself, 12 Rules for Life. And he based those books off of 42 quick one-sentence principles that he believed would help you live a better life. And we're going to, and, and they're very, really quick, fundamental, very sweet and short, just prompts for you to think through. And I thought it'd be a good conversation for us to have today to just kind of, you know, wash ourselves of all of this craziness that's happening in the world and think about some good things and some good ways and some positive things that you can focus in on your life, even through the, the, the craziness of humanity's reality right now. So the, the first thing that piqued my interest and what kind of got me in this frame of mind this week was this video. And it was on a reel on Instagram. And it basically talks about, you know, the way that you should perceive your time with your children. And if you're not a parent, this, per this pertains to you too, because it's not just about your children. It's about the things that are most precious to you in life, right? And when you become a parent, inherently, that becomes your children. But, but you can attach the same principle in your life to your father and your, mo your mother, your family, your grandparents, your nieces, your nephews, and not just people, but things, right? Those things that you're passionate about, the, the, they're, they're true, like lifeblood, right? The, the things that are the important things within your life. So let's watch this clip and see what he has to say on it, because I think it'll be an interesting conversation to have. When you have a, a baby, say, it's, you can't believe it. And you can't believe that you're going to be able to figure out what to do with this thing. Like, it's like, it's the most complicated thing you've ever had, and no one has helped you figure out how to do it. So you're stuck. And then like three months later, it's like you can't really imagine what life would be like without that baby. And then it's sort of like, this goes on forever. That's how it feels, <laughs> but it doesn't. Right. You have little kids for four years. And if you miss it, it's done. That's it. So you got to know that. It's, you know, lots of things in life you don't get to do more than once. Now, obviously, you can have more than one child, but the, all I'm saying is, that period between zero and four, zero and five, there's something about it that's really, it's like a peak experience in life. And it isn't much of your life. You know, because you think of it as a long time. It's not that long, man. Four years goes by so fast you can't believe it. And if you miss it, it's gone. So you miss it at your peril and you don't get it back. And that's not, I know what, with your career, you miss opportunities, you fall behind. This happens to women a lot. It's part of the reason for the pay gap. And it's really hard on women, you know, although no one knows what to do about it. So, and I would also say, well, you talk to each other, try to minimize your, your financial requirements to the degree that you can. See if there's other ways that you can generate income. But, and do your, come to a consensual solution and try not to torture yourself with guilt, with whatever you come up with. But do remember, because you know, You've got financial responsibilities and often you need two incomes and there's, there's no easy way of dealing with it. And for women, it often seems that no matter what they do, it's wrong, right? They stay home with the kids, it's wrong. 
If they go to work, it's wrong. If they do both, it's wrong. And I'm, like, I'm not being smart about that. Mm -hmm. That's rough, man. Mm -hmm. but, I, but having said all that, I would say again, you got little kids for four years. Don't miss it. You will regret it. So I have three children. And again, it's not about having children. It's about having things that are precious to you and understanding the value of those things and how there's a certain percentage to those things. Because if you take that four-year concept, and it's true, I have a five-year-old and I have a, a one-year-old and I have a two-month, three-month-year-old. And, and so it's interesting having all of those different perspectives and, and seeing that if you take it into that, you know, perspective of, of four years, that's 25% every birthday you, you've gone through. 25% of the time that you're going to have with your child as, as a baby, as a, as a real child, as a, as a just, it's, it's so even hard to describe. It, just that pure bliss of having, a, you know, my daughter's five now and she starts to talk back and she has, you know, she has her own built personality that, that you know, she's, she's sassy and she's funny and, she, you know, she does, sometimes doesn't have manners. At dinner, you know, and she has her own things that you have to deal with. And, and that's usually not the case from like two, three, four even. And so that's what he's discussing there. It's just like that pure bliss of that child, like pure, like toddler almost childhood where everything is just new to them and exciting and fun and, and positive for the most part. And so 25% per, per birthday. And what that made me kind of break it down to is you can even break that down into a, you know, you could do this on a very large sense in your own life. Even if you just look at your life from a, a very high level perspective and see your whole life and, and, and every day works out to be like 0.00003% of your life. If you live to be 85 years old, 365 years or 365 days a year, every day is like 0 0.70s and then a three. It was like three, six, five. I did the math. So, but, but, so you can do that to that really huge extent and, and that even brings value, but, but you can even break it down to an even more specific way and, and looking at, you know, I was thinking of it in this sense, like how many times am I going to be sitting, playing with my daughter and, and building Legos, right? How many times am I going to be in that moment where I'm sitting with them and, and be able to pull from that moment and, and, and be in, in that specific scenario that I'm in at that moment. And, and because you're, let's say it's four, it's four times that you're going to be sitting there specifically doing that one task with them when they're in a positive mood where nothing else is affecting them four times. So every time that you do that, it's 25%, 25% of that. One of the greatest moments of your life that you could ever imagine is gone. And so that's like, if you look at spirituality and the way that people view you know, enlightenment is the term that's used in like Buddhism and Hinduism and, and, and all that means is like consistent presence at all times and being there in the moment when you, so that you can identify the moments that are the, the true positive things in life that you, that you live for, right? Those moments where you're laughing or you're dancing with your child in the kitchen when music's playing or, or you're with your spouse and, and you have your, you know, your wedding day or any of these things that are these, these impactful moments. And I guess the wedding day is a big one, right? Everybody's generally very present for their wedding day, but it's the, the ones that can get away from you. And so that, that, that to me, like really put not only just my child's life into perspective, but also my own life into perspective and the things that the, the way that I perceive life in every given moment. And if you look at it from like an analytical and maybe I'm more like logistical or, or, or analytical in the way that my brain works than some people. But 
if, if you look at it from the sense that everything has a percentage, if you break it down to a category, right? And, and if you do that every moment, you, you should try to be more present for and, and, and at least give yourself that opportunity to be there for, for that moment, right? I think that's an important way to look, to look at these things and, and to take that little idea and expand it into almost every facet of your life because everything becomes more like pure. It becomes a, a better taste of that steak, right? As an analogy. <laughs> so... Um, let's go ahead and let's run through this list. I think there'll be some interesting little quick prompts that we can talk about in, in some conversations that will surround these 42 rules for life that ended up being extracted into his book of 10 rules. So um, the very first one, and this was originally like 2000, I don't even know, a long time ago, before he was far before anybody knew who Jordan Peterson was. He, he wrote this out on Quora. Q-U-A-R-A, if you recall. It's like probably not as popular today. But it used to be this like web search website where you would go onto it and you, you could ask questions for people and, and interesting people would answer and they would be voted on who had the best answer and the best answer would rise to the top. And so obviously in this case, somebody asked, you know, what, what, what would be some rules that you would lay out for life? And so Jordan Peterson wrote this out and, and it's some really interesting, very quick snippets, one-off little sentences of rules that you should take into consideration. So, so I am just going to just rattle these off really quick and, and maybe it prompts something in you and uh, makes us have a, a quick conversation about it. But I think they're really interesting, quick little ideas that you can take into your week and hopefully uh, draw something positive out of it. So the first one is tell the truth or at least don't lie. The second one, and there's probably a reason or a, or a reason why he actually put these within a specific numerical order. So there's probably a reason why telling the truth is above all the most important of these rules. The next one says, do not do things that you hate. Act so that you can tell the truth about how you act. And that comes back to the truth. Right? It's much easier to tell the truth if you follow through on the things that you believe are the right thing to do. Because if you thought you did the right thing, you'd have no reason to lie. Hmm. So, so it obviously is in some sort of numerical order because that makes the most sense to me. So number five, oh, I'm sorry. Number four is pursue what is meaningful, not what is expedient. Actual number five <laughs> is if, if you have to choose, be the one who does things instead of the one who is seen to do things. Interesting. Number six, pay attention. Well, it seems very vague, right? It's like easy, easy in concept. Just, just pay attention. Okay. <laughs> I, I guess that would help. Yeah. Um, assume that the person you are listening to might know something that you need to know. Listen to them hard enough so that they will share it with you. Plan and work diligently to maintain the romance in your relationships. Be careful who you share good news with. Now, that's an interesting one, right? There's several reasons that you kind of have to safeguard those things, right? And it's even an idea thing. Like the way you have to, when, when great things happen in your life, you, you, don't, you have to be understanding that it's great for you. And, and, and who you share that to is going to reflect not only what that experience is. So, so you're only looking at it from the way that if I share this idea of what happened in my life to somebody else, then they're going to see what I see and see it as being what, what I see it as, which is great and amazing. 
And so you have an expectation going into that of what you're hoping to receive back or what, what type of attention or, or um, reaction or, or uh, you know, what, acceptance, whatever that is from that individual. And when, when you share that and you don't get the same reaction that you're expecting, and maybe because that's just a direct reflection of what's going on in their life because you don't know even the lens that they're looking at it through from their end, right? So, so, and you don't want that to taint the way that you view your, your good news or good idea or, you know, things like that. So interesting. Be careful who you share bad news with, obviously, in the same respect. Make at least one thing better every single place that you go. Number 13 is imagine who you could be and then aim single-mindedly at that. Number 14, do not allow yourself to become arrogant or resentful. And again, that's like easy to say, like pay attention. <laughs> it's like, yeah, don't be arrogant. Don't be resentful. But then things happen in life, right? Things come up and, and, and you have a reason to be arrogant or feel that you, you have a justified reason to be arrogant. Obviously there's never a reason to be arrogant or feel like you have more so probably a justified reason. You're resentful, right? Resentful is probably way easier. Bad, terrible things happen in your life and you can, you can very easily feel resentful for those things. Number 15, try to make one room in your house as beautiful as possible. Number 16, compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to, to who someone else is today. We all have different timelines, right? There's, there's, everybody works in cycles. You know, there's some people who come from a lot of money in their family and may, maybe they have a mediocre business idea or a mediocre, you know, uh, work ethic, but they, they get that higher yield earlier in life because of the, the status that they came into it with. And maybe you got to work a little bit harder. So focus on who you are. And, and again, that probably comes from that original one, which was think of who your ideal self is and then aim to be that person every day. If old memories still make you cry, write them down carefully and completely. That's an interesting one, like from an actionable perspective. If memories still make you cry, write them down carefully and completely. And I remember this is like, this is almost like a behavioral psychologist format of, of dealing with trauma too. So that makes sense to me that he would, he would definitely say that. So the next one is maintain your connections with people. And that's number 19. Number 20, do not, uh, do not carelessly denigrate social institutions or artistic achievement. 21, treat yourself as if you were someone that you are responsible for helping. And that's a really interesting one that I think has a lot of meaning that you can extract from it. And, and, and sometimes we neglect our own selves. Like if you, if you are responsible for your child, maybe you make them brush their teeth every night because yeah, that, that's my duty to look after this child. Or maybe if you have a child and they're sick, you have them take medicine or you, you, you take care of them in a way, or you have a parent who's, who's elderly and, and you do what you can to make sure that they get their nutrients because they don't generally eat as well as they would on their own. And if you treated yourself the way that you treated those people that you felt the need to take care of, then your life would be a little bit better because maybe you would brush your teeth every night. <laughs> Or maybe you would eat nutrients in, in, in the proper foods, right? Because everybody's super careful about it when they have their first child and, and they're feeding that child. They're like very, very adamant about the nutritional value of the things that they give that child. Well, meanwhile, they're probably drinking a bunch of, bunch of, bunch of booze <laughs> and, and eating Cheetos at the same time, right? 
Um, the next one says, this is number 23. I'm sorry, number 22. Ask someone to do a small favor for you so that he or she can ask you to do one in the future. Number 23 is make friends with people who want the best for you. 24. Do not try to rescue someone who does not want to be rescued. It's a failed, a failed venture, right? No sense in, in spending the time yourself because all they're going to do is suck you down into where they're at. And be very careful when about rescuing someone who does. Nothing well done is insignificant. Number 27, set your house in perfect order before you criticize the world. Number 28, dress like the person you want to be. Number 29, be precise in your speech. It's like words matter, right? We talked about that with the truth versus like fake thing is words matter, right? Being precise in your speech means that when, when you are talking about things, you're, you're creating at, at every given moment, the same way that somebody else from a computing uh, coding perspective, like every code that you write is, is creating a further reality within that framework that you're operating within. And it's the same thing with speech. Like every time you say something, you're putting something out into the world and there will be an effect, a direct effect Right, the, the butterfly effect. Even if a butterfly flaps its wings and I don't know, what is, what is the adage? In China, a, a tsunami can happen in California. Right, the, Everything that is done, everything that is said, everything has an effect. So being precise in the, what you say and, and giving yourself a pause sometimes before you say it. Next one is stand up straight with your shoulders back. And there's a, a whole thing behind that, too. There's like the, his, the, the Jordan Peterson uh, lobster gang just has to do with hierarchical structures and, and the, the amount of, I believe, like testosterone that was produced in your body as a result of, of specifically just standing up in, in a way that seems and feels confident to you is important. So that was number 30. Number 31, don't avoid something frightening if it stands in your way. And don't do unnecessarily dangerous things. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I've been accused of that a time or two. Um, do not let your children do anything that makes you dislike them. Right? And I think that's, that's just like, if you're a parent, that's such a powerful thing to understand. Do not let your children do anything that makes you dislike them. Because you should have to enjoy your time with your child. And if you enjoy your time with your child, you're going to be passionate in that relationship. Right? You're going to give yourself more. You're going to be more present. Right? It's like I like to, to, to play with my daughter in the way that I want to play. I enjoy building Legos with her. I, li I like to watch shows with her that I like watching. And so we find like happy mediums that makes me want to do those things more. Because if every time you know, my, I hang out with my daughter, she wants to, I don't know, dress, dress me up and, and paint my nails. I, I might not want to do that very often. And so you find things that are mutually engaging and, and positive. And when you do that, you, you tend to d decide more often to do those things. And so find not only things that you want to do with your child that are exciting for you, whether it's like board games or, you know, going outside for hikes or playing a sport with them or going, whatever it is that you enjoy doing. Find out what, what those things are that are mutual and, and do them more and find out what things you don't like do, them doing and, and make those less because if you don't want to be around your child because they're super annoying, then, then that's not good either, right? You, there's, a, there's a purpose that, that that's written and it's written in the, so that you learn that the, the way that you engage with people and in the settings that you put yourself in either determines am, am I going to be engaged or am I not going to be engaged?
So I think that's important. Do not transform your wife into a maid. Hmm. That's an interesting concept, right? <laughs> this is interesting coming from our generation. Like, I think we're a generation removed from that, hopefully at some point. But that was the, the general dynamic of the household that I lived in was, you know, full-time father and, and a mother who was a stay-at-home mom. And which is important. And you heard that from the Jordan Peterson video before is like anything a woman does is, is wrong at this point. You can't go to work full time because that, you know, you should be home with the kids. And if you're home with the kids, you should be out, you know, everything is wrong. So it's, it's a difficult thing to wrestle with, but not turning your wife into a maid. Like they, you should be equals because if you're not willing to do those things on a daily basis, you know, I think I'm pretty good at this in my relationship. I think my wife would attest to that, that that's like, that, that should, that you, it's a mutual I mean, I just want my house clean. I want things picked up and I want to, I, I participate in making the messes. So you should probably participate in cleaning up after that. And, and, and making your wife the maid is, is a little bit degrading, I think. Like, you know, obviously pitch in. Do not hide unwanted things in the fog. That's interesting. Notice that opportunity lurks where responsibility has been abdicated. Read something written by someone great. That's important. I, I think books are like, books are really interesting in the way that like, they're, they're very few people. I think, I, w I wonder what the percentages of people who actually legitimately read great writings, like philosophical, like I'm, I'm reading a couple things right now. I'm reading A Man's Search for Meaning. And I'm also reading Walden in the Woods by um, David Thoreau. And so they're, they're, they're written... What a book does is it, even more so than a podcast, like t takes you out of your brain, it takes you out of your normal consciousness, your normal streams of thought and, and puts literally implants somebody else's framework of, of language, the way that they speak, the way that they write their, their reality, the way that they view the world and allows you to, to, to transplant that into your brain momentarily so that you can experience life in, in literally a whole new way. If it's somebody who's great at writing, right? It's, it's when I'm reading Walden in the Woods, there's certain parts of the books that it's a very uh, deep book. And um, some of it is not, you know, some, but, but some of it really is. And, it, and it's written in like the 1800s. So it was, it's, it's a little difficult to, but, but once you get into that person, allow that person into your mind long enough, the way that you read that like stream of consciousness just becomes much more like you don't you don't recognize it when you first pick up a book like that you you tend to it, it's like work for your brain to, to to start to understand their concepts but when you do it, it's like the, something really cool happens something like really magical like in, in a in a cheesy sense but like it happens when you can actually take that person's perception, their reality, their language, their, their, their thought patterns and their speech patterns and implant them into your brain for however long you're reading. That's why when you, if you sit down to read, you should really be reading for, you know, if you could carve out a half hour at least to read. If you sit down and read for five minutes, it's hard to get deep into that, especially if you're reading something thick like that. But I think that's an important note. And those are both really two really good books. And I think that the um, A Man's Search for Meaning is something that's been written or, or, or brought up several times in, in very in, uh, intelligent people's podcasts. You know, I remember hearing about it from Lex Friedman, I believe was the person that I heard about A Man's Search for Meaning. And it's a very uh, daunting first person experience of the philosophical perspective of somebody who was in the Holocaust. 
um, in, in specifically Auschwitz. And him trying to not only survive, he, and, and that's a big part of what I've read so far. I just started reading it the last couple of days. But a big part of it so far is, is not, it's, he's not he's, he says you can read a lot of accounts of the horrific things that happened in Auschwitz. But the account that I want to give you is how I found meaning in that moment and, and made myself better from it. And so it's an interesting philosophical conversation surrounding that. And so find a book that you can find that's like heavy enough for you to, uh, to want to dive into and find somebody who, who you want to give that space to your brain. Cause like when you read a shit book, it sucks. It's like, if you get for like an hour or 120 pages into a shit book and you're like, man, this just doesn't vibe with the way that I think, you know, that's, that's not fun. So, but, but, but if you can find somebody who's great, that, that really does fit that, you know, what you're looking for that surrounding that it's, it's a really meaningful thing to have. So read a damn book, you heathens. Anyways, pet a cat when you encounter one on the street. No, I, I can't. That, that's, that's the one I cannot agree with Jordan. I'm absolutely, I'm absolutely not petting cats. I'm not, not a cat. I don't, I can't, I do not get, I'm sorry, cat people. I'm a dog person. I have, I have a golden retriever and a dachshund. Can't do it. Sorry, guys. Can't do the cat thing. You know, can't do the cat thing. So you're wrong, Jordan Peterson. I will, I will not be the one petting a cat. Um, don't let bullies get away with it. Hmm. That's a good one. That's a very good one. Do not let bullies get away with it. And I was talking about this with my wife and in and, and kind of the way that like a hot parent. And it's an interesting conversation that you can have surrounding that is like you you have to be the one who gives your children boundaries in in a in a way that you can't just coddle your child through every everything that they do if they're doing something that's annoying they should know that it's annoying so that when they go into the world and they truly start annoying people they're, they're not going to find somebody who is you know I, i'm never going to do or say anything to my child that would intentionally hurt their feelings let alone physically harm them ever my entire life i, I could never imagine somebody who could do that but there are people out there who are physically violent and there are people out there who are capable of that and, and will do so on a dime It will do so without cause even. And so you have to realize that. And, and, and so you have to give them that, you know, a certain amount of boundaries in a safe setting. And that's not to say that there's any like aggressive parenting. That's obviously all wrong. And we learned that. Um, and you should never touch your child or hit your child, you know, obviously, but it's, uh, you know, there's still a reason that you should be stern with them in the way that you teach them, right? And that's the same thing. Don't let bullies get away with it. If somebody's going to treat you negatively or, or, or talk down to you for something or, or, or specifically try to harm you, you should know how to defend yourself. And so that comes down to, you know, also putting yourself in a position prior to that to be confident enough to confront bullies when they present themselves. Right. Not only just having the idea that you, you're not going let, to let them get away with it, you know, whether that's, you know, getting into a self-defense class or getting into better shape or, you know, whatever that is for you. I don't know. To me, it's get in a damn jujitsu class, but I digress. But also for your children, because you can position them in a way from a very young age to not let bullies get away with it and to make them confident enough to approach a bully when there is one, because many people have their children not engage in any conflict in their entire lives. And so when it arises, they have no idea how to deal with it. It says, do not bother children when they are skateboarding. <laughs> I like that one. 
That's a good one. It says, write a letter to the government if you see something that needs fixing and propose a solution. Hmm. Man, that's a really interesting idea, huh? If you actually feel like there's a legitimate issue with our government, write a damn letter and do something about it and also propose a better solution. Like one of these rules, like, like that's a pretty profound, and, and it seems so silly, like if that, that is profound, <laughs> that you should write a letter and propose a solution. But if you, if you feel like there's something wrong, like this oil or this gas thing, right? I feel like there's obviously a reason that they're, they're lying to you about that. But hey, I don't know. I haven't dived deep enough into that situation to, to write a letter and propose a solution to this gas rising or this Ukraine situation. Or, you know, it's like that. that's a tr truly, you know, use our governmental system for what it is. There's a purpose for it. Remember that you do not yet know. What you do not yet know is more important than what you already know. At any given time, right? Like any given time, you should be having the idea that you will always be smarter tomorrow than you were yesterday. Be grateful in spite of your suffering. Be grateful in spite of your suffering because there's always going to be suffering, but gratitude is a choice, right? Like the, the suffering is what happens to you and gratitude is what you decide to have despite that, right? So despite all of the shit that's going on in the world right now, despite some of the craziness that maybe is happening in your personal life or at work, be grateful. Be grateful for the things that you have. Be grateful for the reality that you were given. And choose who you believe would be the most ideal self. I think that was a powerful one. And every day, aim to try to be that person. All right? I think that's a, that's a good way to, to look at it. So, I don't know. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Just some some quick little, little bit lighter than the usual conversation that we have. But I think it's important to step back and, and take some of these high-level ideas that could maybe one of those things stuck for you. And, and you can sit and think about that and, and kind of extract it and find a way to implement it. And uh, if one of you does that as a result of this, you know, that's pretty cool to me. So thanks for listening. I appreciate your time. If you could, go ahead and hit that subscribe button if you did not already. I appreciate you so much. Hit that five-star review button if you have not done so already. And again, I would appreciate it so much. You can make somebody's day right now. You can do something good for somebody else. <laughs> Despite your suffering, go ahead and press that five-star review button. And then head over to the Instagram at Red Pill Revolt. Go to the link tree or the Give, Send, Go, and please consider giving a donation. I spend a lot of time on these things, a lot of time putting together the videos and all of that, so I would really appreciate it. We're going to be finding a, a good um, way to give more content to you guys and find a little bit more uh, ways to make this uh, a financially lucrative, uh, hopefully at some point, venture for me as well. So... Look out for those. We're going to have some changes like that YouTube video got pulled. And so I'm thinking about some things with the video aspect and, and maybe to find a way to do that. I'm, you know, I'm, I don't think I don't know if Patreon's the way I don't know. I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I don't know how to really approach this. So um, I'm getting to a point now where like, you know, there's there's enough here to that. It'd be really cool to be able to start making something of it. And uh, I, I would be appreciative of any input you guys have. So um, don't know exactly the way or the direction we're going to go as of right now. It's free. Everything's free. You get all of it. Unpaid. No ads. Just me here sitting talking to you, asking you to, you know, listen to me more by pressing a button. Um, but yeah, we're going to figure that out. So if you got any suggestions for me, I, I want to do something that is not intrusive at all from a user perspective. 
So I'd be really interested to hear it. Other than that, I hope you guys have a great week. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you so much. And welcome to the revolution. Have a great week.